Welcome to Coffee Contrails. Coco Boy's Redemption by Gino Dana. Dear Coco Boy and Josie, I pray you have found joy in your lives. Me and myself, I am at peace with the past. 13 years in prison will reshape a man's head. Have no worries. I am not out for vengeance. That Paul Kingman, the evil sinner I once was, died the night Jesus saved my soul. I was set to gouge my throat with a sharpened metal spoon when a light filled my cell and he grabbed my wrist and said, follow me. I dropped the spoon and embraced the Lord. He's held me ever since. But the state is letting me go in three days on Good Friday. And I'm hoping you allow me a visit. I need to see how you pulled yourselves out of the darkness and into the light. And I want to meet Dorothy. I'm sure she's a bright and beautiful young woman. What a lovely name, Dorothy. It means gift of God. And I know in my soul, she is exactly that. Yay or nay, email my lawyer, Dwayne Jones. You know the name. All communiques go through him. Me, myself, I'm off to Bakersfield to a church that helps ex-cons, the Palace of Forgiveness. They're even setting me up with wheels and gas money. Ask and you shall receive, son. Amen. Salton City, if I can read a map correctly, is a short detour south. God willing, I could be on your doorstep late Saturday night, Easter Eve. Keep the faith. Paul. The Jesus spit is new, but the voice in the letter is still Paul Kingman. Casual, friendly, confident. When we were fucked up teenagers, that voice talked me into breaking into a house, punching a kid at a keg party, taking any drug, and believing in the powers of hell. Devil worship. Not a big jump, given my Pentecostal upbringing and weak ego. His letter triggers a memory I fight to forget. It was the summer before our senior year in high school, the hot, sticky night, Paul Kingman proclaimed himself the high priest of Satan. Josie and her twin sister, Cecilia, were with Paul and me. We were circled around a bonfire in the woods, our naked bodies smeared with each other's blood, our brains softened by magic mushrooms and a bottle of Jack Daniels. The twins and I got swept up into Paul's demonic delusions. The dark world surrounding us was alive, throbbing, the trees pulsed in rhythm with our heartbeats, and the wind sang in our ears. We were divine beings. We chanted like possessed medieval monks. I believe my soul rose up and hovered above the treetops. The scene unfolded beneath me like a horror movie. My body was down there with my friends, caught within the flickering glow of the flames. Paul stood, howled like a wolf, grabbed a handful of Cecilia's blonde hair, yanked back, and pressed his bowie knife against her neck. I chanted on as Cecilia screamed. Well, Josie says, I flinch, nearly ripping the letter in half. Josie's voice a slap, snapping me out of a trance. Her milky blue eyes are looking down at me, demanding a response. She can't be considering letting Paul Kingman back into our lives. He slaughtered her sister. My testimony convicted him. 
So, Colby, she says, we email Mr. Jones and say yes. Dwayne Jones, Esquire, highly respected citizen from our hometown, church deacon, local big shot. Why he is representing Paul Kingman is beyond me. Maybe he bought Paul's born-again bullshit. Josie grips my shoulder. We need to see Paul again. What I need is a drink. I stuffed the letter back into the envelope, rise from the bed, and walked a few short steps from our bedroom, through the bathroom, and into the kitchen. Even with the electric fan on high, our trailer is hot and confining as a submerged submarine. The squeeze inside is so tight that for her 11th birthday, we bought our daughter, Dorothy, her own, albeit tiny, trailer. We have a regular compound out here in the desert. For Cecilia's salvation, Josie says, following me. For Dorothy's, the old crow is in the cabinet over the stove, stashed in a place where Josie thinks Dorothy is too short to get her mitts on it. If motivated, my daughter is bright enough to use a chair to climb up and take a swig. Sometimes I wish she would. I half fill a red plastic tumbler that costs three for a dollar at the Dollar Tree. Josie says, we need closure on Cecilia's death. Not we, Paul, and he seems cool with murdering your sister. I sip and hold the alcohol in my mouth, numbing my tongue. We were all on drugs that night. It, it could have been any of us. I swallow. Paul had the knife. We, each of us, cut ourselves. Bored teenagers out for thrills. I still have the scars. She shows me the faint slash marks across her forearm. All healed, I tell her. She states, Paul is on the way. What? I emailed Mr. Jones yesterday, but, but he can't come here. He's what is done cannot be undone. Paul will arrive midnight tomorrow. The tongue isn't enough. My entire being needs to be numb. I snatch the bourbon, say, fuck this and go into the living room. Cecilia's killer is dropping by for a friendly visit tomorrow. No way. The past is the past. Cecilia stays buried. What a perverse display her parents, my fucking in-laws, made of her corpse at the funeral. Open casket, white scarf around her neck to hide her slashed throat. Lying there with her hair washed and brushed and candy red lips, she was an exact but lifeless copy of my Josie. She was too pretty to be butchered, that's for sure. When the fuck you get home, I asked. Dorothy closes the front door behind her. Her appearance jars me. Did she overhear her mother and me? We told her Aunt Cecilia died in a car crash, and her mother sliced up her arm trying to pull her sister from the flaming wreckage. Drinking and cussing? Dorothy grins. She didn't catch the murder talk. Why aren't you at rehearsal? Josie is at my side. My part was done. Mangling cries and wails, and that's about it. And just who gave you a ride home, I asked? Aaron? He's the Roman soldier guy who stabs Jesus with a spear. But Aaron's in high school, I say. He's got a mustache. He's Pastor Ray's son, geez. Though he does have brown eyes like you, Daddy. He is a 16-year-old young man, Josie says. And you, Dorothy, are a 13-year-old child. Dorothy rolls her eyes. I am not a child, Mommy. I'm only thinking of your safety. Or imprisonment. Since Dorothy got her period a year ago, Josie does not allow our daughter to wear shorts or tops that expose a hint of midriff. 
But Josie can't hide Dorothy's developing very female shape from leering male eyes. With each passing day, her jeans and t-shirts get tighter, and she looks more and more like her mother, the beautiful girl I fell in love with, the one I promised to pull it out, but didn't. Ain't nothing hornier than the son of a preacher man, I say. Colby, please. Josie forces a smile, says to Dorothy. Even boys with the purest hearts succumb to temptation. Next time, call. Fine. But you can't keep me chained up forever. I am going to high school next year. Nothing is written in stone, Josie says. Daddy, I am so done being homeschooled. I got you on this, I say, but right now, your mother and I need to talk. About your drinking? Dorothy's scowl flips back to her crooked grin. The girl is an emotional yo-yo, up, down, and at times as deep in a religious reverie as her mother. Or mommy catch you watching porno again. Do not disrespect your father, Josie says. Go to your trailer now. Pray. Ask God to forgive you. I'll call when supper's ready. Oh, Jesus always forgives me. And with that, she saunters out the door. I'm wondering if it's Dorothy that Paul is after. God will protect Dorothy, Josie says, reading my mind. He's coming for Easter Sunday. After that, we will never see Paul Kingman again, ever. But he wants revenge. I cut a deal. I agreed to testify to. Confronting Paul is the only way you will ever be our daughter's father. What in the hell are you talking about? Her eyes have that glassy sheen she gets when worked up into a religious lather. It shall be revealed, she says. Now I have a chicken to get in the oven. She turns toward the kitchen. When Josie believes God is calling the shots, there is no reasoning with her. Once again, my life has taken a turn beyond my control or want. Paul Kingman, my one-time best friend turned sociopathic murderer, is coming for a visit. After dinner, I sit in a lawn chair outside our trailer, sip Old Crow and gaze out over the flat, dry earth and powdery red sky. All is silent, still, warm. We are alone in the desert, our nearest neighbor miles away, goods and services a 20-minute drive to Salton City, a modern ghost town on the edge of a shrinking cesspool of a lake. A few hippies call it home, immigrant families, Religious fanatics? Those are our people, the Jesus Brigade. We are long-standing parishioners of Desert Bloom Church of Christ. On any given Sunday, you'll find us laying on hands and speaking in tongues. Then, enjoying an afternoon potluck. Claire Jameson's fried chicken is to die for. I am not a believer. Never seen a light. Playing the role of the devoted, church-going husband and father is my penance for not stopping Paul from murdering Cecilia. Living in a trailer out in the desert, my lifelong sentence. But Josie, she believes. She lives in the light. She went from serving Satan to getting on her knees before Jesus as quick as a coin toss. She was 16 at the time, pregnant, and famous for being part of the teenage devil drug cult whose leader sacrificed her twin sister. Her God-fearing parents demanded that she marry the impregnator, me. My God-fearing parents agreed. After a quickie wedding, Josie and I were exiled halfway across the country to the California desert. Her uncle Ted, a big wig in the Salton City Church, 
set us up with a travel trailer, an isolated patch of land, and an old Toyota pickup. He got me a job as a grammar school janitor. No college for the Cocoa Boy, but I did get my GED and a mop bucket. As the years roll on, I pour what was left of my dreams into my daughter. Yes, Dorothy's view of the cosmos is worked by Josie's brainwashing. But I pray for the day when Dorothy will break free of her mother. She'll go to college and realize there is a world beyond our oppressive sandpit and feel empowered enough to raise both middle fingers to the heavens and say, fuck you, Jesus. A full moon is ascending over the horizon, the sky darkening. The first of thousands and thousands of stars and planets appear and flicker. Josie and Dorothy are inside the main trailer, streaming Pure Flix. Netflix were believers. Mother and daughter vowed peace at dinner. While we were eating, Josie told Dorothy an old high school friend was coming to visit. Dorothy nearly choked on a chicken leg. Nobody ever came to see us, not even her grandparents and we never traveled back home. She quizzed us. Who was this Paul Keeman guy? Why was he coming? I mumbled that he was some dude I snuck cigarettes with in the boys' bathroom. But to my surprise, Josie said Paul was her aunt's high school sweetie. High school sweetie, my ass. I heaved the empty bottle of Old Crow into the desert. Coyotes are somewhere out there in the darkness, yipping and howling as if they made a fresh kill. Wanting to leave my pack and join theirs, like the dog at the end of Call of the Wild, joining the wolves, I wandered toward the coyotes' otherworldly wailings. After 30 yards or so, I looked back at the two tin buckets we call home. The glowing porthole-sized windows, the blue, filthy plastic tarps stretched over the roofs. My daughter is forced to come of age in this dusty shithole in poverty and ignorance. And now, the murderer himself wants to meet Dorothy. Paul said so in the letter. Resigned to my fate, I head back to the trailers. Then it hits me. Paul knows Dorothy's name. How? Josie was eight months pregnant when he was convicted. It's not like we sent out birth announcements. But the answer, unfortunately, is all too obvious. Even an idiot like me should have seen it coming. Josie contacted Paul. For all I know, they've been devoted pen pals for years. She's been carrying the torch for Paul Kingman ever since high school. She was so jealous of her twin sister back then. Cecilia was screwing Paul, and she wasn't. The only reason a hottie like Josie was with a weenie like me was because I was Paul's best friend. Even when we'd make out, she'd always tell me how good-looking Paul was, what beautiful green eyes he had, and I should pump weights to have arm muscles like his. If she was so into the guy, I'd tell her, why not just go ahead and bone the dude? She'd tell me to stop acting stupid and shut me up with a blowjob. Mind buzzing with questions, I fling open the trailer door. Mother and daughter are cuddled up on the couch watching a made-for-God movie on teen pregnancy and abortion. An innocent girl! Evil clinic counselors, sadistic doctors. Josie's arm is hooked around Dorothy's shoulder, her hand clasping the six-inch gold-plated cross that hangs around her daughter's neck. To me, that cross is a padlock. And it cost me two weeks' pay. You finished the bottle, Josie states. How is he getting a driver's license so fast? I ask. 
and parole. He just can't leave the state the day he's let out. And this church, they're giving him a car, gas money, really? Paul Kingman? This whole setup doesn't make sense. It's God's will, Josie says. Who are we to question? No worries, Daddy. Dorothy is as calm as her mother. Our fate and his are in the Lord's hands. Jesus promised me. Sitting side by side, mother and daughter seem to be attached like Siamese twins. If not for her green eyes, Dorothy could be Josie's clone, a replacement for Cecilia. Fuck this. I head to the bedroom. I googled the Palace of Forgiveness, Bakersfield, California. The church supposedly sponsoring Paul's trip west. Nothing by that name pops up. The closest result is Buck Owens' Crystal Palace. Discovering the ex-con sanctuary is pure fiction confirms it. Josie secured the car for Paul and wired him the money. I take down the Converse shoebox from the top shelf in the closet, inside a black Beretta M9 handgun and a fully loaded clip. Uncle Ted gifted me the gun the day Josie and I moved into the trailer. A man needs to protect his family, he said. There's a number of nut jobs out here in the desert. So far, I've only shot beer cans and rattlesnakes. I grip the handle, feel the weight of it. I shove in the clip and aim the gun with both hands at the door. Josie is down the hall on the other side of the bathroom and kitchen, sitting on the couch with Dorothy. She can have Paul Kingman. Good riddance. The two of them can blast off to Jesus land and screw forever in ecstasy for all I care. But they are not taking Dorothy. She is staying with me, her father. Headlights appear in the distance, coming down the dirt road and heading toward our trailers. Josie and I stand and look out over the desert, like homesteaders in an old western watching John Wayne riding in on horseback. A bonfire blazes behind us, a beacon of light that Josie said would guide Paul to our home. But I'm thinking she's recreating the night that Paul slaughtered her sister. She has some ritual in mind to cleanse us all of our sins. And once we're right with God, she can scamper off with Paul guilt-free. Josie checks her phone. Midnight. Paul's on time for a change. The gun is in the inside pocket of my denim jacket, loaded. If they try to steal Dorothy from me, I will put a bullet in Paul's skull. No hesitation. I've seen the violence the man is capable of. The headlights expand bobbing up and down as his car hits the ruts in the road. Dorothy's in her trailer. She tried to stay up past her usual sundown bedtime to meet the mysterious Paul Kingman, but couldn't keep her eyes propped open past 11. The car pulls up and stops several feet short of us, trapping Josie and me within the glaring headlights. The engine is shut off, the lights. The blue compact is filthy, the fender's dented, rusted. Definitely not a rental. The door swings open, and Paul Kingman, who I have not seen since I pointed in the courtroom and said, yes, he's the one who cut Cecilia's throat, climbs from the car, flashing us that crooked grin of his. Josie, Kunkle boy, dear sweet Lord, it's great to see you guys again. A blast from the past. He still has the rock star shoulder-length black hair and is wearing what he wore in high school, a black t-shirt, denim jeans but he's beefier now, probably from pumping weights in the prison yard. 
The fire was a godsend, he says, approaching us. I'd still be out there lost in the desert. My God, you look exactly the same. Not a year older. Fit and firm. What a beauty. You look good as well, she replies. A hug? She lets herself be hugged, but stiffens in his arms. Her awkwardness is fake. A ploy to keep me in the dark. After Easter Sunday, that's when she'll drop the truth on me. Colby, Paul and I have something to tell you. After such a long drive, she says, releasing herself, bet you could use a Coke. Seven up if you got it. Me, myself, I don't do caffeine or any drugs anymore. I even quit smoking. Seven up it is, she says. Back in a sec. He watches her walk to our trailer, his eyes trained on my wife's ass. Fit and firm. The resemblance is uncanny. Even back then, I couldn't tell one from the other. His offhand way of mentioning Cecilia proves he's still a sociopath, born-again Christian or not. You seem tense, Coca Boy. I'm good. Can't blame you if you are, son, me showing up out of the past like this. Son. That verbal tick still pisses me off. But there's no need for the gun. You're too big of a pussy to use it anyway. Coco boys never change. There he is, belittling me, just like in high school. What's next? Asking me to hotwire a car for a joyride? Don't mean to make you grimace, son. Me, myself, I wish the Coco boy no harm. His green eyes sparkle, reflecting the light of the flames. The baby trailer over there. Dorothy's? Does he want to fuck Dorothy? Cut her throat? I swallow hard, and there's a tremor in my fingers. I say, she's sleeping. Well, let's wake her up, then. I've come all this way. Not a good idea. She's in the church play tomorrow. She's on cue. Dorothy steps out of her trailer, barefoot, stretching and yawning. Well, well, looky at who else has risen from the dead. Dorothy wanders up to Paul, her movements slow and translite. She gets within inches of him, her eyes wide she stares into his face. I reach inside my jacket, feeling for the gun, gripping the handle. You're Paul, she says. And you're Dorothy, he says. You're as beautiful as your mother, as Cecilia. Mom told me your eyes are green. Just like yours. Just like mine, she echoes him. Because you are mine. You are of my flesh, my blood. I pull out the gun and aim, but my hands are shaky and slick with sweat. Get into your car and get the fuck out of here. Now. Or else Coco Boy's gonna shoot me? He smirks. I love you, son. You know I do. But I've come to get what's mine. A wife and a daughter. Dorothy backs away, as if allowing me a clean shot at him. She's not your daughter, I say. I raised her. But I planted the seed. Josie brushes by me and stands by Paul's side. She doesn't have a seven up in her hand. She has the chef's knife she carved the chicken with for dinner. Am I the next sacrifice? I steady the gun. What happens to me is no longer important. I just can't fail Dorothy. Not again. I say, I don't care who seed. Paul raped me, Josie says. Oh, come on now, me. I didn't rape you. The night before he murdered my sister. 
You wanted me to fuck you. Coco Boy knew that, didn't you, son? And the moment my semen shot into your blessed womb with force and fire, I knew you were with child. My child. You raped Josie? The gun sight is aimed at his head, but I can't summon the courage to pull the trigger. Is he right? Am I a coward? And now God demands that you and me and Dorothy be a family. That's why you got me the car and wired me the cash. You know in your soul that Cecilia was sacrificed so that we, the, the three of us, could be together forever. Josie glances heavenward and says, in the name of God. She grabs a handful of Paul's long black hair and yanks back, exposing his neck and cuts his throat open. Blood spurts, streaming like water shot from a water gun. His eyes bolt and he sinks to his knees, clawing at the open wound with his fingers, desperate to staunch the bleeding. The coyotes are yipping and howling again. I lower the gun, defeated. Josie did, but I couldn't. Paul is grunting, groveling in the dirt, not giving up on life. His shirt is soaked, his arms and hands red and sticky. Now do your part, Colby, Josie says. Shoot him. The more Paul bleeds, the wilder, more animal-like the look in his eyes. Free yourself of the past, Josie goes on. I aim the gun. My heartbeat slows. My hand steadies. Maybe there is redemption for me after all. If you truly want to be Dorothy's father... I shoot him in the head, twice. He collapses flat on the ground. His body spasms and is still. Like a gunfighter holstering his 45, I shove the gun back inside my jacket. Josie nudges him with her foot, checking to see if Paul Kingman is indeed dead. Satisfied, she sets the knife on the ground, picks her phone from her back pocket, Taps in a number. Her hands are clean, not a speck of blood on her. Pastor Ray, she says, you and Aaron can come for the car now. Dorothy's face is empty. I wonder if she's in shock. But she says, now do I get to go to a regular high school, Mommy? Yes, you proved your love for the Lord. Josie takes her daughter by the shoulders and kisses Dorothy on the forehead as if anointing her. But, but what if the police come looking for Paul, I ask? Paul won't be traced to us, Josie says. All communication went through Mr. Jones. He donated the car. The pastor and his son will make it disappear. Should I be angry? Proud? My wife orchestrated a ritualized murder to revenge the death of her sister. Payback for her own rape. She pulled her daughter into the scheme, church members, and even the lawyer from back home. Why didn't you let me in on this? I ask. I couldn't trust you. You once loved Paul. That was years ago. But now I do trust you. We are finally, truly, a family. The blood stops flowing from the gash in his neck. His eyes are open, but the light is gone. I kneel next to Paul, touch his shoulder, so long, Paul. I get to my feet. No tears for Paul Kingman. Not after the sins he committed. 
and he came to take my Dorothy. There is no doubt in my mind now that she is my daughter. The two bullets I put in Paul's head confirms it. Dorothy, can you help your father gather more wood? Josie asked. We need to bulk up the fire to burn the body properly. Of course. Dorothy looks at me, flames flickering in her green eyes. Just give me a sec to get my shoes. Okay, Daddy? Okay, I say. If you liked today's recording, please like and favorite us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can find us at coffeecontrails.com. Thanks.